great. Good evening to everybody. Welcome, as you've heard, to the Linwood congregation. So to the family, good evening. I saw there was a few hands visitors. Now, normally visitors would come and say, okay, so what is this church about? So for the family members, what is our theme for this year? Ooh, miracles. It's miracles. Come on. So you need to sound a little bit more excited about that. And so you witnessed a miracle tonight. You witnessed a miracle tonight. Getting two engineers to do announcements and be excited about it is a miracle. Eh? So let's give them a hand. They were so great. Never thought I would see that day. So we are continuing our sermon series called Undignified. And so for the past few weeks and, and another two weeks, we're going to preach into what does it mean to, to live a life of worship. Not just through song and music, but we have been called in our daily doing, in our daily walking, to live a life of worship. And so the first week I started off the sermon series, uh, preached about reverent and irreverent worship. A lifestyle that honors God versus a lifestyle that does not honor Him. You remember that? And then Rudo preached about what happens when you walk into the holiness of God. And you are so aware of His holiness. You can't but barak, fall down on your knees and repent and declare your need and your dependency on His mercy and grace. Last week, I think the guy's name is Fred. Fred preached about, can you remember? Toda. You know, it's not, uh, not yet, it's Toda. Um, about praise, lifting our hands in praise, yes? And so I'm going to continue tonight, and my topic for tonight is complete surrender. Complete surrender. And the Hebrew word we're going to study tonight, and I'm going to help you to remember it, it's called Yada. Alright, so what is my name? Snidani Yada. Alright, you got that? It's a bad dad joke. You got it? Snidani Yada. Alright, so now you'll remember that. And so what does it mean? It means to raise your hands in complete surrender. So here's the question. What comes to mind when you hear to surrender? To surrender. Maybe it's a movie that comes to mind of, of people standing with their hands in the air. Maybe your connotation with that is not nice. It means I've lost. I've been defeated. And so yes, one of the emotions that might be just that sprung up in your heart as I mentioned to surrender is defeated. You're maybe sitting here and you feel defeated. You're at that point in this Katan game or whatever game it is that you are playing, and you see that you are defeated. You no longer have the longest road. You are defeated. Yes? Or maybe for you, it is, is that moment where you know that you have lost control. You have lost control. Maybe you find yourself in this relationship or financial situation, and you know that I have lost control. Or maybe you're stuck. Like that bare friend of mine behind me. Maybe you are stuck. You have tried everything possible, humanly possible, 
and you are stuck. And so for most of us, when we hear to completely surrender, it's sort of a negative thing. I have lost. But I want to propose something different tonight. What if complete surrender comes from a place of complete trust? What if to completely surrender to Yada comes from a place of complete trust? And so you can open your Bibles with me. It's Psalm 63. Psalm 63, we're going to read together and look at David's life. How David lived a life of yada, completely surrendered. And so here's a few things that you need to understand about David before we look at the psalm that he wrote. He was anointed king to be king between the ages of 10 and 15. We're not sure exactly which one, but it's somewhere in between 10 and 15 because we, we see a lot of words that are used in the Hebrew referring to his age being a teenager. So while he was still tending his father's sheep, he was anointed by Samuel the prophet. And at the age of 30, he became king of Judah. So anointed somewhere between 10 and 15, 30, king of Judah, and three years later, king over all of Israel. But then we also see an interesting period. So from being anointed to becoming king, there is a 13-year period where he finds himself in the wilderness, constantly fleeing for his life because of the king, the current king, King Saul, wanting to kill him. Can you imagine that? For 13 years, fighting for your livelihood? Can you really imagine that? 13 years not having a place that you call home not having a place where you know that you know I have a place to sleep I have food to eat and I have water to drink 13 years your livelihood being challenged being uncertain about your future being uncertain about job security being uncertain about the basic needs food water place to stay so for 13 years, this is where David found himself. And in the middle of the desert, the wilderness in Judah, he writes this psalm. Psalm 63. Let's read together. O oh God, You are my God. Earnestly I seek You. My soul thirsts for You. My flesh faints for You. As in the dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon You in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. And in your name, in the middle of this desert, I will yada. I will completely surrender. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand holds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. 
they shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of the liars will be stopped. Father, thank you that we can pray together now. Holy Spirit, we ask that as we open your word, you will show us what it means to completely surrender. Amen. How is it humanly possible to find yourself in a place for 13 years, your, your existence, your daily existence being challenged, that you don't fight or rebel against, but instead you completely surrender? It's not if David did not have the opportunity to kill Saul. He did. Actually, we're going to look at it now. He had the opportunity twice to kill Saul. Now just imagine this. Don't have a place to stay. Don't have something to eat. Don't have something to drink. Constantly running around. You saw the map behind me of the different numbers that you saw on that map. Maybe just put it up again. Is the different places where he had to fled to and stayed for a period of time. Just imagine moving every year for 13 years. Sometimes twice or three times. How is it humanly possible? And then you get the opportunity to kill the guy that is trying to kill you. In that moment, you can change your situation. And yet, David completely surrenders. Let's look at it. The two opportunities he had. First one, you can open your Bibles with me in 1 Samuel 24. 1 Samuel 24. You see there in verse 2, Saul hears where David and his men are busy hiding in the wilderness of Engedi. And so, Saul at that, uh, David at that stage had between 400 and 600 men. And so read there what happens. In your Bibles, it's not going to be up there. Because I want you to take out your Bibles. I'm telling you the story whilst you're following him and making sure I'm not lying. So he's got between 400 and 600 men. Saul goes and he collects 3,000 men to go out and to find David and kill David. And whilst they are busy looking for him in this wilderness, nature calls. You will see there in verse 2, 3, Saul then goes into a cave to relieve himself of this pressure of nature that he experiences. And the cave that he selects is the exact cave where David and his men are hiding. In verse 4, his men shouts out with joy. This is the moment. Seize the moment. Carpe diem. The Lord has given your enemy over into your hands. And so we see how David, it says they're in stealth mode. Never thought I'd see that word in the Bible. Crawls closer. Instead of killing David, he, he cuts off a piece of the rope. Of, David's, of Saul's rope. And in that moment, as he did that, something inside of him told him this is not right verse 6 he tells his men let no one touch the anointed one of God it is not for me or for you to bring and to an end his life because he is the anointed king of God in Exodus 22 verse 20 where God gives the social uh, laws to Moses you will see there verse 20 it says 
you are not even allowed to curse an anointed king of God. So David, knowing this, tells his men not to do anything to Saul. Saul leaves the cave. And after he left, David goes out behind him, made sure there's enough distance between the two of them. And then he shouts out to this king, to King Saul, holding up this piece of the rope. See, I have shown you mercy. Why is it that you are trying to kill me when I am but merely your servant? And so we, you'll see there there's an exchange of words. And listen to this, verse 12. David saying to Saul, May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you. But my hand shall not be against you. David did not fight against Saul, the anointed one. Second opportunity he gets. 1 Samuel 26. It's page 3. 1 Samuel 26. Again, the King Saul hears that David has now moved. He's in the wilderness of Ziph. Again collects 3,000 men to pursue David, to find him, kill him. Just after chapter 24, where Saul tells him, I am sorry, my son, forgive me, please come back home, we see the same thing happening again. He wants to kill him. And so again, in the midst of the night, while Saul and his men were camped, David takes one of his men, Abishai, and they go into the camp, initially to go and kill King Saul. The Bible says, and God brought a deep sleep over the king and his men. The table is set for David to bring to an end his 13 years of wilderness. And again, David turns to Abishai when Abishai sees Saul's own spear next to his head. He tells David, let's take the spear and I will kill him with one blow. David says, let no man touch the anointed one of God. And instead, they took the spear and the water jar that was next to his head, Saul's head. And they leave the campsite. Again, making sure there's enough distance. And again, David cries out to Saul. Why is it that you're trying to kill me? When I'm but merely your servant. And so again, there's an exchange of words. And David says the following in verse 24. Behold, as your life was precious this day in my sight, so, my, so may my life be precious in the sight of the Lord. And may He deliver me out of the tribulation. David did not fight, nor did he rebel against God. He had enough reason to rebel against God. But in this moment, he turns to God and says, May you be the one that changed my situation. Remember, he was anointed king already, age of 10 to 15. He was chosen by God to sit on the throne. He had reason to rebel. But again, he chose not to do so. I can stand here with ease and say, I don't think any one of you have ever lost the kingdom. Yes? Any royalty in here? This is what's busy happening here. David, if caught and killed, is in a place where he can lose kingdom. 
I don't think anyone here to flee for his life for 13 years. Yes? Anybody? And so maybe we are not in that place like David. But what I do know is all of us have experienced at some stage in our life where somebody has disappointed you. Where somebody's tried to hurt you or betray you. Where you have experienced injustice. Just like David. Where you've experienced anxiety. Deep felt anxiety. You have found yourself somewhere in your life in a place where you felt totally out of control. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's your future. I don't know. But I know that I know that somewhere we can all identify with the different emotions David experienced. And so here's the question. How do you respond in those moments? How do you respond in those moments? Well, here's what David did. David did not rebel against God. Nowhere do we see where David becomes angry with God. God, why are you allowing this? Why have you turned your back on me? Nowhere. David had the right to question God's character. God gave me a word, let's say age 12, that I will be king. And I'm experiencing the opposite. So God, your word is not coming true. Are you truly a faithful God? Yet we don't see that. David never turned away from God because of the disappointment that he experienced. Maybe you've trusted for something and it's not worked out yet. You become disappointed in God. So we see David never rebelled. He experienced all these emotions, betrayal, injustice, anxiety, being out of control. Never did he rebel against God. Second thing we see, never did he fight. Never did he fight. Never, throughout that 13 years, the two opportunities that we just saw, did he take matters into his own hands. Never did he lean on his skill as a military leader. He had the right to fight for what was his. He was anointed king. And yet, he did not take up arms. And so why not? Because that would have made him exactly like Saul was acting out. Listen to this, what Saul says to David in 1 Samuel 24 verse 20. And now, behold, this is Saul speaking. I know that you shall surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Saul knew that he knew that David was anointed, that he will become king. And so what does he do? Instead of honoring God, he rebels against God, trying to kill what God has put in place, trying to bring to an end what God has put in place continues to say the following swear to me therefore by the lord that you will not cut off my offspring after me and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house to saul it was all about himself he thought of himself as a better man and he wanted the best knowing that god anointed david 
He still wanted his own name and his family name to exist. And so everything he did was for self. And so if David would have rebelled against God or fought against what was happening to him, it would have made him exactly the same man as we see Saul being here. Now let me just make sure that you understand. Yes, there were times in David's life where he took up arms to go into battle. But he did so after consulting God. And God would say, yes, go. I will give the Philistines over in your hands. So do not see this as a theology of, okay, I'm never allowed to stand up. No, no, no. In this instance, he never fought against Saul. He never lifted a hand against the anointed one of God. Isn't that amazing? Not even are you allowed to curse the anointed one of God. That's a safe place, yes? Anybody here wants to be anointed one? Not? Just me? Okay, there's one. Thanks, everyone. Sure. That was an awkward moment. Sure. There's another one. If I tell you now, nobody's allowed to touch you or even curse you. Who wants to be anointed one? Yes. Hallelujah. Tough crowd. David's response in the middle of this unfair, hurtful, and uncertain situation was to trust. To fully trust. What if total surrender comes from a place of total trust? This is what we see David here. David knew that God is sovereign. What does that mean? That He is the highest authority. There is no power above Him. There is no law above God. He is the highest authority. David, knowing this, knew that because He is the final authority, that the word that He spoke will also become true. And so in 1 Samuel 16, when God speaks over him, you are the elected one, the anointed king. David, for 13 years, knew that nothing can go against that word. And he totally surrendered because he totally trusted a sovereign God. What happens? What happens when we trust God? Well, in that moment, you are saying, I'm not God. You are God. I don't have to depend on myself. I depend on you. I trust your character, God. I trust your word, God. I trust that you will do what you say you will do. And so how is it humanly possible in the midst of a life-threatening situation or just wilderness spirit that you can totally surrender? By knowing that God is sovereign. That He is the final authority over your life. And that every word that He has spoken over your life will prevail. It will bear the fruit it was intended to bear. No human, not even Saul, stop that in David's life. No human will be able to stop it in your life. And so at the age of 30, after 13 years of being in the wilderness, David became king of Judah. Three years later, at the age of 33, very significant, 
the age of 33, he became king over God's chosen people, Judah and Israel included. Amazing. So where do you find yourself tonight? Are you at a place where your daily walk, your daily worship is yada? Totally surrendered to God. Your future, your, your challenges, things that you are facing, it is it at a place of being totally surrendered to God? Maybe you're finding yourself tonight in a place where emotionally, maybe even physically, you are fighting this unfair, hurtful, uncertain situation. Maybe to you it's health or a relationship. You are fighting tonight. Maybe you've come to that place where it's been prayer after prayer after prayer. And you have not seen God come through yet. And in your heart you are starting to rebel against God. You are doubting God. Here's the thing. When we look at the story of Jesus, Jesus experienced unfairness. He experienced hurtful conditions. He too experienced just uncertainty. Just imagine the King of Kings, Jesus, facing death. It was definitely uncertain to him because he's never not existed. Unfair? What is unfair? What happened to Jesus that is unfair? Well, He died the death that you and I should have died. He was nailed to a cross for the sins of the world, both past, present, and to come. Unfair. Unfair. Hurtful? Physically, He was beaten. He was spat on. He was nailed to a cross. Emotionally hurtful? experiencing for the first time in his life to be separated from his father. As he cried out on that cross, My father, my father, why have you departed from me? Jesus experienced a wilderness of a situation being unfair and uncertain and hurtful. And like David, he had the opportunity to fight. As the men came to arrest him in the garden of Gethsemane. Go and read it. Peter takes out his sword and he cuts off the man's ear. Remember that story? In that moment, Jesus could have said, yes, let's take them. He could have there acted in a way to fight and to take himself out of a situation that he doesn't want to be in. Because he definitely did not want to be in that position. Because the next thing we see is how he prays to the Father. Father, if it is your will, let this cup pass me. And then we see the Yada moment. Not my will. Totally surrender. But your will be done. And here's the thing. At the age of 33... Father raised him from the dead. And he established him as king of kings. No greater name above the name of Jesus Christ. 
not just merely the king of Israel, but the king of kings. So that by his name, you and I tonight can find ourselves at a place where we can totally surrender to a father in heaven because he is sovereign and his word will come true over your life. And so maybe you're sitting here saying, well, I'm not sure about that word yet. I asked you, whom of you want to be anointed? Listen to this. May this be a word that you hold on to. 2 Corinthians 1 verses 20 to 21, Paul says the following, For all the promises, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why it is through Him that we utter our Amen to God for His glory. And it is God who established us with you in Christ and has anointed us. You are an anointed son and daughter of the living King. Let no man touch you. Let no person curse your life. You have been set free. And it continues to say the following. Verse 22. And who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. How is it possible, Don, that I can surrender? Because you serve a sovereign king who has set you free, who has anointed you to be his son and daughter, and has given you his spirit as a seal, as a guarantee that his word over you, that one day you will be with him in heaven, will I want you to close your eyes. Where are you tonight? Are you living a life totally surrendered to Him? Do you find yourself fighting just the fear of not being certain about your future. Maybe you're battling inside emotions, anxiety, depression, doubt. Maybe you just have a place tonight. Where you are doubting God. I want to give you a moment. We're going to go into a time of worship shortly. Don't you want to just take that to the Father now? Just confess, Father, I've tried to take this matter into my own hands. Tonight I just want to surrender all to you. Tonight I just want to surrender all to you. All my doubts, all my fears. I just want to surrender. 